3: Or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show
3: podcast.
4: Welcome, everybody, to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I am Buck. He is Clay. And, oh, my, do we have a show for you today. And that rhymed too. Uh, We have number 45, the former president of the United States, scheduled to join us in just about, well, in an hour, actually. So we're excited to have uh, Donald J. Trump, President Trump, with us to talk about his upcoming trip to the border. And you know that's going to be a fascinating conversation. we got to talk to him about how he sees this Biden administration, Kamala's border trip, is he going to run, and so much more. I might even slip in a question about whether he thinks the NSA is, in fact spying on on my friend and uh, and uh, clay's friend tucker carlson which so. is terrifying if it's true it is indeed so we we have been thinking here for a while that we we need everyone to to see what's coming the way that we do uh, down the road a little bit here because the mask mania the lockdowners I call them the Fauciites. Do you have a term you like, or, or I call it the Fauciite consensus? What, what's Yeah, your Fauciite burden?
3: is not bad. We we sold a bunch of uh, at OutKick Fauciism t-shirts. But what I've been focusing on is bigger picture, I would say. This is all fear porn, right? Corona Bros is the phrase that I have used. Because early on, I don't know how much you paid attention to social, but it felt to me like there were many people rooting for COVID right like they were everything was terrifying they were all in as soon as there was the least negative story they were spreading it they wanted everybody to be stuck in their houses they are the people who are triple masking driving in their cars by themselves the people who were the most afraid of corona I called the corona bros because they wanted to shut down sports they wanted lockdowns
4: to continue forever and they also engaged in a tremendous amount of virtue signaling this Ah. became with social media this became a cheap way to show how much you believe the science, which has now, as we all know, turned into a laugh line, right? I mean, you say, I believe the science. And everyone thinks that you're, you're wearing a mask in the shower at home alone and dreaming of the next, you know, time that there's going to be a, a Fauci appearance on MSNBC. So he, here's the why we're talking about this. Cause I, I, this is the problem. A lot of people, we're here. I'm here in Nashville with Clay right now in Tennessee. There are a lot of states that feel pretty normal. But there's still the vestiges of the crazy in parts of the country, certainly from the federal government, the Biden regime on down. And right now you're hearing the beginnings of the Delta variant. Everyone is supposed to be paranoid and, and freaked out about this Delta variant that's coming. And so you're being told. To mask up again, play 18.
3: The WHO saying if you're vaxxed, you should continue to mask up. I mean, are masks coming back?
4: WHO came out today and said masks back on. Now recommends wearing masks
1: at indoor public places, whether you're vaccinated or not. To wear masks
4: indoors, even if they're vaccinated.
0: Recommendation that fully vaccinated people
4: wear masks indoors again. It's a recommendation, and I think it's a reasonable recommendation. I mean, you know, we have two Americas, those vaccinated and those not. Why should any vaccinated person, never mind if we want to get into the effectiveness or lack thereof of mass masking as a policy, why should any vaccinated person think that they should wear a mask at this point? It It, it is it defies numbers, science, logic and reason. And yet now you already have the calls for this from media outlets and from some of the scientific establishment all over again.
3: Yeah, L.A. County is now saying uh, that they want people indoors to be wearing masks. And we talked about this on the show. I know that you and I have talked about this for months. The stat that is out there, Buck, that is terrifying, 4% of Democrats believe COVID is over. 4%. 96% of them are unwilling to allow the rest of us to move on. And what has not been talked about enough, in addition to all the people who are super afraid that can get vaccinated, we have got a ton of people like you and I who already had COVID and have natural antibodies to COVID. And it's like those people never get talked about, but we know probably over 100 million people. That's a reasonable number, I think, at this point, because we know 35 million confirmed cases or whatever. Three to one seems very, very reasonable based on all of the other data out there. If you combine the hundred million people who have already had covid with all of the people who are now vaccinated, either one shot or two shot. I know it's like a, a phrase that you can't use, but all of the numbers would reflect that herd immunity is coming down and, by the way, is becoming a reality. And also the Delta variant is likely to be still, according to all the data that I've seen, handled by the vaccine and also probably handled by natural immunity. So the fact that so many Americans have already either gotten the vaccine or already had COVID, it's like you can't talk about those two things or even discuss herd immunity. They're editing and censoring herd immunity discussions in this country when it seems to me the most rational thing we should all be talking about
4: we live in a time where the left and the democrat party seem to have abandoned what should be non-political or above political issues things that you would believe you could get agreement with uh with just the american people in general on things like Don't we all want there to be safer streets, less crime, less violent crime? And don't we all understand that law enforcement plays a critical role in that? No, Democrats don't agree with that. Don't we think that politicization of a virus is something that doesn't make any sense? I don't want anyone to get this. I don't want anyone to suffer the ill consequences of COVID and God forbid pass away from this. And I act on the assumption that. My fellow Americans or I I had been acting under the assumption that all my fellow Americans just felt that way. But when you look at the way that this has been so deeply partisan and really from the very beginning, it was used as a club against Trump in the election year. We know that there was reckless propaganda from the media suggesting that Donald Trump was handling this so badly he was opposed to. A, no, in fact, I would criticize the the former administration a little bit for going along too much and too long with many of the recommendations. But we're at a point now where you say to to the, the statistic you brought up, only 4% of Democrats uh, believe that this thing is really over. What we're starting to see, Clay, is that that's because there are a lot of Democrats for whom this is normal now. This is actually the way the future looks. Booster shots, mask mandates, the government in control of everything, what you can breathe, where you can go, who you can see. If you're a true authoritarian collectivist, that's actually the vision of America that you have.
3: And I think it's important for some people out there who live in red states that may have embraced freedom now to understand that while you may believe we are finished with this and I do, we are not finished with this because the power that is incarnate in COVID restrictions and regulations has come to define the Democratic Party. And so they are going to embrace this because what else do they have, Buck? Defund the police has gone up in smoke. We don't know what's going on exactly with the infrastructure package. The budget is basically going to be the end However, it gets reconciled in Congress of what Joe Biden is able to accomplish and what actually unites the Democratic Party. We talk a lot about the Republican Party and the media and the civil war over Liz Cheney. But what actually unites AOC and Joe Manchin? That scope of the Democratic Party is more expansive in terms of what they represent, all these different interest groups. And so I think they're desperate to find something that everybody can latch on to, and it's wearing masks. We talked about this at the border, Buck. Kamala Harris went to the border, border in quotation marks. She wore a mask. Why is anybody who is vaccinated outdoors still wearing a mask? Outside. 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 By the way. And all
4: of the people with her wore a mask. Has never made sense, has never been rooted in actual data and a serious look at the epidemiological risks here, but it is Virtue signaling and political signaling too. the good people wear the masks even outside. They wear two masks. I am on record. People can see from my Twitter timeline. So this isn't just, oh, I made some prediction. I was saying months before Fauci came out in January of 2020. They're going to tell you it has to be two masks. Oh, and by the way, they're going to finally come clean on the fact that N95 masks are substantially more serious, at least, as a, as a tool of epidemiological control under certain conditions. Then, I mean, wearing that, you know, Biden-Harris bandana across your face or wearing, uh, the, the kerchiefs that people were draping. No epidemiological purpose whatsoever against a virus like this. And they won't admit that, though, because that would be telling the CNN watchers, the New York Times readers who took the science seriously. That they're not as smart as they think they are. And that's fatal to the Democrats. They have to believe they're smarter than they actually are. Not only that, if you acknowledge that, you have to be
3: able to spread that message. And this is, to me, the most terrifying thing about all of it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You're not allowed to even question, quote unquote, the science. I mean, remember, the lab leak theory would get you banned off of Facebook for a year and then suddenly all these emails come out and all the data comes out and people are like, yeah, you know, Jon Stewart now can joke about it. We're seeing that with herd immunity. We're seeing that with discussions about masks. Science is supposed to be messy, right? The scientific method for everybody out there who's forgotten about it is about rigorously tossing out hypotheses and testing them and all of a sudden, We demanded a certitude that doesn't exist. And, Buck, this is important, I think. Very much science is as much of an art as it is a science, right? Anybody who has ever had a medical condition that they can't figure out what's wrong with them and you go get a second and a third and a fourth opinion, doctors often disagree even when they're looking at all of the same data sets. And so this idea of certitude that we demanded is actually the antithesis of what science represents. Science is messy. Science is argumentative. Science is contentious. What we have created is a totalitarian view of science, which only allows one particular uh, idea to dominate. And guess what? That idea is often wrong and also destructive for the country. And we're not yet through that battle yet. And some of you out there, I know, are frustrated about this, but I think it's a battle we have to keep fighting, Buck.
4: Yeah, it's not over. We haven't had the repudiation. I mean, you still have people who believe that lockdowns and mask mandates were, highly, were highly effective despite the fact that we lived through the second wave, which is exactly what it was, despite the fact that the predictions about how that would all play out based on the early promises from a year ago, from July and, uh, and August of 2020. If only we mask, we'll be okay. That was the promise. And then you had people all across the country doing this, as well as the lockdowns. And then there's all the absurdities that you weren't allowed to even bring up anymore. Places where you saw all of a sudden, hold on, that makes no sense. Mask up between bites is idiotic. Does Fauci think we're all morons? Well, apparently he thinks he can get away with acting like we are, and there has not yet been a real accounting of this. And we're just here to tell you, I know for a lot of people listening, you're in, you know, you're in Florida, you're in Texas, you're in places unlike New York and California that have really embraced freedom and normalcy. This isn't over. COVID, you could say the pandemic is, is largely over. But the -er lockdownerism, it's not gone. There's, there's going to be booster shots. There's going to, they are going to have a push you watch for forced vaccination from the federal level in every way, every tool they can use. They're going to try to force people to vaccinate this fall. That's my prediction. That's my belief. But we'll, we'll get into more of this, including how they try to leverage this. I mean, what is, what does AOC really want now? Clay brought her up a few minutes ago. What, what is her vision of the future of the Democrat party? We'll dive into that. Plus, uh, we have, as you know, President Trump joining us in a little less than an hour here. So please do tune in. That'll be the top of the next hour. Uh, and we're, we've got so much to talk to him about. But you know, dog food is often lacking in critical vitamins, minerals, things your dog really needs. Because when they do this whole process of making the dog food, there's the things that you would think of, probiotics, enzymes, microbacteria, that's all killed just because they want to get rid of any microbes. You need stuff in the dog's food, like probiotics, to keep it as healthy as possible. That's why you need to add rough greens in. Rough greens is not a dog food. It's a healthy supplement that you put into your dog's food with all the live nutrients necessary for superior dog health. Our family dog, Tallulah the Frenchie, French Bulldog. So cute. Little snorty. She snores, but she's great. You add Rough Greens in and she's just got a little extra pep in her step now. And we just want to make sure she has the longest, healthiest life possible. Cause you know, she's almost 12 now. Rough Greens. You gotta add it into your dog's food. And the folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love it. They've worked out a special deal for listeners to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Clay and Buck. And they're gonna give you the first bag free. That's right. Go to Rough Greens, R U F F RoughGreens.com slash Clay and Buck. All you have to do is cover the shipping and you'll get your free bag of rough greens on its way to your home, roughgreens.com slash clay and buck.
3: Welcome back in Clay Travis Buck Sexton show. As we were talking about to start the show, we'll be joined by Donald Trump. He'll actually be the first guest on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Excited to be able to uh, to interact with him. Should be a lot of fun. Much to dive into with uh, forty five himself as we begin the second hour of the program here in a little over thirty minutes from now. Uh, so go ahead if you're out there, follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Clay Travis. He's at Buck Sexton. You can stream on the website, clayandbuck.com. If you are, uh, wanting to be able to listen to that interview, maybe you're running around a little bit. You can also go download the podcast. You can go give us a five-star review. We appreciate all the people who are rolling in to listen to the podcast. And I have
4: to- touched top 10, by the way, Clay, right now? I think top Are 10, we really? Something? I think so. I will for, for politics. For yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I
3: haven't even checked it so far this week. I will dive into it, but it's a, it's an impressive. We're on 400 stations, and certainly we love all of you in all 50 states who are listening to us on a traditional radio outlet. Uh, but the podcast, obviously, you and I are both digital natives, uh, came up sort of in the Internet age. And so there certainly has been a massive upswing in the number of people who are downloading the show, which is cool to see. Very much so. You want to hear about what AOC's got, the madness that she wants to push on all of this Yeah, thing? I was just asking the question because there's all this discussion about the internal conflicts in the republican party and i feel like we totally overlook everything in the democratic party and aoc is now outside of the white house uh protesting joe biden's in office and she's outside protesting play uh, cut 15
1: what a lot of folks here in dc don't understand is that while this may be the hottest summer of their lives it's going to be one of the coolest summers of our lives yeah. and so what that-
4: Heat on us, so we bring the heat on. Dan. I mean, the fact that she the looked, cheering is so bad. She she's demanding climate action, and this is this is one of these these great areas for Democrats where they say they want to do all these things, and then even when they're in a position to do them, Clay, they don't because it's insane, right? This is why we don't have cap and trade. This is why we don't have the extreme green commie nonsense that they want to uh, inflict on the country, so... Yeah, there's no
3: doubt. I mean, she's an imbecile. Uh, By the way, we're (laughs) fortunate to still be seeing home loan options with rates in the twos. Now, we both said it before, say it again, those rates can make a difference. You can lower your monthly
4: payment and spend less over your loan term. You've got to call American Financing. Take advantage of a free mortgage review. It's so easy. Let an expert mortgage consultant present custom loans that may fit you a little bit better, because rates really are near all-time lows. Chances are you can really benefit.
3: No doubt. You need to refi, and there's no pressure, no upfront or hidden fees. Simple conversation about ways you can save. think about this for your family, up to $1,000 a month, how much would that mean for you? Tremendous difference.
4: If you like what you hear, they'll pre-qualify you for free. You could even postpone two mortgage payments. All you got to do right now is call 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334,
2: NMLSConsumerAccess.org.
1: Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Saxton show, America. We have the former president of the United States joining us in just about a half an hour. So be sure to uh, tune in for that. We have so much to talk about the border, the Biden regime. And yes, will 45 run again? And I suppose at that point you could be you could be 45 and 47. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's right. That's right. Just, my math is right. Yes. On that. Just making sure that would be fun. So uh, we, we do also want to point out that Kamala Harris went uh, went to the border. But as as my friend Clay here noted earlier in the hour, not a very I think we could say not a robust visit, Clay, a a, a perfunctory drive by, I think it's fair to yeah, say. Yeah. It's kind of like a pit stop. I just started watching that uh that Formula One show. I, have you ever seen this thing? The form it's on Netflix, it's all about Formula One. No. It's amazing. I've I've heard it's great. I've actually heard about it, but no, I haven't seen any of it. And I think of it because the pit stop when you see these these guys uh changing all the stuff oh you yeah know. everything it, has to get taken care of amazing rapidly. but it, it was like kamala was a formula one driver making a pit stop at the border it was very quick she wanted to get out of there rapidly um and some were asking questions um and we should we should pose this to 45 when he joins us in a bit but what exactly did kamala learn and what does she want to do about the border as the borders are and also why didn't she actually even visit a child migrant facility under this administration you should think she'd want to see that firsthand dhs secretary mayorkas was asked and here's what he said play nine
5: the vice president and the president directed javier becerra the secretary of health and human services to visit fort bliss uh, which is under his responsibility and he's doing so today It was
3: just 10 miles away. Why not include it on the vice president's
5: trip? Well, uh, you know, we had uh, quite a bit to see, and we were able to uh, uh, meet with the CBP, the Customs and Border Protection uh, personnel, both in the Central Processing Center and the Port of Entry. Um, The vice president was able to meet with migrant children and understand why uh, they fled their home in desperation. Uh, She was also able to meet with community members to understand what they have been learning uh, from the migrants uh, who fled the Northern Triangle countries of Guatemala, Honduras, uh, and El Salvador. It was most instructive. And what the president and vice president have done from the very outset is direct their cabinet officials, including me, to address the situation at the border.
4: Yeah. uh, Address it how? You'll notice it's all just, uh, it's all focused on the, the emotional pull here of... Well, the vice president was talking to the children about what well, we all know why they're leaving. I mean, this is America. They're leaving predominantly, not entirely, but they're literally leaving Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala. Uh, they're, they're leaving because they want to be first of all, their parents have sent them in the, in the case of the children. But in, in terms of the migrants overall, because this is the freest, richest, best country in the world. We, we don't need some survey of why they're showing up. What we need is. What is the government going to do about it, Clay? And that's the part that's always completely just it's boilerplate. It's talking points. It's, oh, we're going to have a committee to meet with the committee to come back around, close the loop and figure it out. They never tell us what. There's
3: never been a solution. And I don't know that there ever will be a solution, which is what's so frustrating. And I think that's why Trump had such appeal Because the wall, as an evocative metaphor, is a solution, right? Now, there are all different sorts of challenges we know in actually being able to build that wall, but that is a solution. And I think for people who live around the border or live in populous cities and states all over this country, the current status quo is broken. And so what is a solution? The Biden administration doesn't have one. The Trump administration had one, but it was being fought. And there doesn't seem to be a
4: rational consensus view here. And they don't seem to care that the numbers are going up every month. This is not it's not like, oh, we had a problem and maybe it'll be it is a problem right now. I mean, it's happening. I still I have contacts and friends who are at the border and in border patrol. And they're still having a, a lot of apprehensions. People were crossing it illegally. The drug problem at the border, I mean, I remember Clay I, I was I was about an hour west of McAllen, out in a I mean in the middle of nowhere. and on on the American side, on the Mexican side of the border, there was actually a pretty substantial um, city there. and and you had migrant children being ferried across the, the Rio Grande on on boats. And we actually had National Guard there. They had night vision goggles. They're watching this whole thing. And then just downriver, you see they're, they're running down, uh, they're, they're using boats to run across the river to take the drugs across. Totally overwhelmed. No chance of actually apprehending the cartel members who are running drugs across because you got to deal with the kids that are being put across the rear grid. This is hap, I saw this happen. This is happening every day. This is the situation as it's playing out. And Kamala wants to go and tell us that you know this is a nation of immigrants, and kids are coming here because you know it's it's uh, going to be a better economic. Well, actually, I keep saying the parents are sending them here. Parents are sending their children here and handing them over to cartels in the process and putting them at tremendous risk as well. I'm sorry, but it is true uh, because of the economic opportunity. These are economic migrants. That's what's going on. They just don't want to go through. They won't go through the normal immigration system.
3: And it is going to skyrocket because you have seen so many of those migrants showing up even in Joe Biden t-shirts. And Kamala went down and tried to say, we're telling you not to come, which by the way, when Trump said it was racist, when Kamala says that it's just, oh, she's trying to solve the problem, even though the language they eventually ended up modeling was very Trumpian. And we're going to talk to the president uh, 45 here in a moment, but also she went to the border as we said because she wanted to get there before trump did and he's going tomorrow and so
4: all this is just a bunch of show and it's it's also very apparent journalism is supposed to be and and by the way i don't believe that there is a thing known as journalism as a profession in america the way that that people who work in it think they do i, I don't believe in neutral oh there's this there's all these people who work for newspapers and they have no beliefs and it doesn't actually bleed over into the writing but but that's a, a another conversation journalism is supposed to be at least allegedly it's supposed to be about speaking truth to power and holding those who are powerful accountable which is why right now when kamala goes to the border on this issue on any issue of the Biden administration there's just not a lot what does cnn really have to say What does the New York Times have to tell people other than the insurrection is coming at any moment? That's what we're all supposed to be terrified of. Forget about the problems, the deficiencies of the people in power right now. Let's all just cry about masks and freak out about another insurrection. I think the reason why
3: the mask talk is coming back up is because CNN is just desperate to find a story. CNN's story is was Donald Trump is evil. And then COVID was a embodiment of Donald Trump's evil brought to life. That was effectively CNN's programming strategy for the last year. Mm-hmm. Buck. You look at the data, just tweeted out an article, you can go read it at OutKick. A lot of people have been sharing this data. Jake Tapper's audience, since Joe Biden took office, has declined by 75%. He has one quarter of the audience now that he had in the final days of the Trump administration. There has to be any business out there in America. I'm sorry, if you look at the data and you have a quarter of the audience that you had several months ago, you are desperate to figure out what you can do. And this is honestly what I said back when it happened, when all these different social media places banned Trump, colluded to ban him simultaneously, the biggest loser was CNN because MSNBC is a left wing news organization. And to their credit, they own it and they're not trying to pretend to be something else. Fox News has got its audience that it's going to be able to rely on about half the country. CNN has always been sort of in that squishy middle. And now suddenly they found a voice being opposed to Trump. And they have no idea what to say now, Buck.
4: Seventy five percent of their audience vanished. It's crazy. And their credibility after the four years of Russia collusion nonsense is at an all time low for anyone for anyone who's being objective. I mean, there are people that will believe this nonsense no matter what. But we want to we want to go back into this. I mean, this is going to be a recurring theme here because you have all of these. These so-called journalistic outfits out there, you know, the L.A. Times, the, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, that are supposed to be presenting. Yeah, they, they present facts, but everyone's putting information out there all the time. That's the nature of the business. But they should be asking questions of this administration, of what it's doing. I mean, how much time was spent? We, we just had Joe Biden, without consulting Congress, fire missiles at a in an Iranian-backed militia at the Iraq-Syria border. Did, did you see I mean the, the coverage of the yesterday yeah it existed but there weren't people saying World War 3 is going to start what's going what what is this and oh my gosh and Iranian backed militias and this could lead to a conflagration in the Middle East and all the other things that we know if it, if it were Trump I mean you remember when, when Trump uh, Trump actually fired off some missiles um at you know the uh, Assad regime's air bases and and the media oh my gosh this is it was an enormous story They don't really have a mission and a purpose based on their own mission statement at these organizations. So what they do is they have to find uh, they have to, you know, find instances of, you know, a, a Trump supporter somewhere doing something bad. Talk about the insurrection. It was a riot. It was not an insurrection, but talk about it endlessly and just find ways to keep people scared and blame Trump for everything. They're blaming Trump. For the border, which we're going to be talking to him about here, the, the actual Trump, in a few minutes, and now they're even trying to say that Republicans are the reason that police were defunded. My friends, they will say anything to you. They simply do not care. We will come back, though, with with more of this and and the way that the media is flailing in this current moment. In the meantime, I want to tell you
3: about Relief Factor. My wife, who, by the way, has an incredible life. She's in Omaha right now, getting ready to watch the College World Series. She works out all the time. She often has aches and pains from exercise, overexertion, and everyday living. And she has been taking this Relief Factor product, and she absolutely loves it. Almost a third of Americans, it's about 100 million people, suffer from ongoing pain, aging, exercise, overexertion, the effects of everyday living. And that's why Relief Factor, which is a 100% research-based formula created to help combat the root causes of inflammation, makes such an incredible difference here. They have four key ingredients that help to ensure that your body's natural inflammatory response is able to be handled. 70% of the people who try Relief Factor go on to order more. Three-week quick start pack at $19.95.
4: Developed easy and affordable. Again, my wife loves it. Buck, your dad loves it. He is saying that it's helped his golf game and just getting up the stairs in day-to-day life tremendously. And the folks at Relief Factor are so confident that Relief Factor is going to work for you. They've got this really easy, really straightforward three-week quick start pack it's only nineteen ninety five, and that's $0.95 cents a day when you actually average this out. Less than a cup of coffee, a lot less than a cup of coffee, actually. I would like those fancy lattes. Those things get very expensive. Order your three-week quick start pack for nineteen ninety five. dollars All you do right now is go to relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. That's relieffactor.com or 800 500 Eighty three, eighty four for your three week Quick Start Pack at nineteen ninety
0: five. Time slot on loan from Rush. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton
3: on the EIB Network. Welcome back in closing out our number one Clay Travis Buck Sexton show. We are going to be joined in short order by. President Donald Trump 45 himself he is scheduled to join us coming out of the next commercial break and we'll be asking him about all sorts of different questions but yesterday President Obama former President Obama went after Donald Trump and his uh his his questioning of the 2020 election results here is what Obama said In this election what we saw was my successor the former president violate that core tenant that we count the votes and then declare a winner and and fabricate and make up a whole bunch of hooey so that as bad as january sixth was if we had a repeat in future elections in which let's say the Republican controlled Pennsylvania legislature decided we're not gonna certify all those votes coming out of Philadelphia because we think that those urban votes are shady. Imagine what would have happened. We would have had a worse constitutional crisis than we did. We had a constitutional crisis for four years. It was called the Russia collusion hoax. This is what fires me up in a big way about these allegations about Trump and the election. Stacey Abrams Buck refused to concede in the state of Georgia, despite losing by 50,000 votes, and became a hero of the Democratic Party, such that she's now branding everything Jim Crow 2.0. She's never conceded. We never saw an acknowledgement from the Democratic Party, which investigated for four years and argued that Trump was an illegitimate president and that he didn't actually win, or that if he did win, it was because of Vladimir Putin and Russia. When all of the Russia collusion hoax exploded in the Mueller report and we found out that there was no basis to it, none of the Democratic Party came back and said, oh, our bad, we definitely sub- subordinated the legitimacy of democracy for four years. Yet, a few what thousand people storm the Capitol on January 6th because they're fired up, and that's an insurrection that it's, that threatens the foundation of our democracy.
4: I just I don't buy it. It's not new for Democrats to reject election results either. Uh, you you mentioned Russia collusion, which was that was just using the deep state apparatus of the federal government. To as a weapon and unfortunately a pretty successful one, even though they weren't able to get Trump out of office, they certainly made things much more tense and difficult in his White House. And and they were able to go after some of the top people around him in some cases on just pardon the expression, you know, trumped up charges. It was it was unfair. It was wrong. And it certainly undermined the first uh, the first Trump term. And I've got to say, they did this with George uh, with George W. Bush back in 2000 as well. They said that that was you know, illegitimate. You could go on, you know, the Bill Maher show or you could go on MSNBC or wherever and call George W. Bush an illegitimate president, a stolen election. There was an HBO movie, for heaven's sakes, a uh, recount where they made the whole thing look like Republicans stole the election. No, Democrats actually tried to steal Florida in 2000, were unsuccessful and then cried about it for eight years. Uh, we, we, this is, this is the old playbook for them. They get special counsels against Republicans. They say election results that Republicans, when they win, uh, that that those don't count. And, and now they want to, want to lecture us. And of course, if you're looking for a lecture, Obama's always got one for you. That's one thing he's always ready to do. So we do have President Trump joining us here in just a few minutes. He is going to the border tomorrow. So we're going to ask him about that as well as how he thinks this Biden, Regime is doing so far. Kamala Harris's role in all of this is Trump, we have to ask, is he himself going to run? Is he ready to take on the mantle of MAGA all over again and push, or does he want to be kingmaker for someone else? We will pose this to him and so much more. Number 45, friends, you know it is always an experience to get to chat with him. Clay and I uh, really have enjoyed our interviews with them in the past and i can tell you right now we are fired up and looking forward to this one in just a few minutes former president donald j trump will be with us stick around
3: you're listening to clay travis and buck sexton on the eib
2: network